0: Welcome to the Born to be a Badass podcast, the show about the intersection of women's empowerment, embodiment, and self-defense, and what women need to know and do to enhance their physical, mental, and emotional safety. Here's your host, fourth-degree black belt and self-protection expert, Cynthia Jolicoer-Rude.
1: Welcome to the Born to be a Badass podcast. I'm your host, Cynthia Jolicoer-Rude, and today I am happy to bring you another episode of Fierce and Female Friday with Melissa Salt, a truly badass pioneer in the world of women's self-defense and the creator of Fierce and Female Self-Defense. Welcome back, Melissa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I am just loving our series and each episode we do just makes me more excited to do more. So I'm so glad that we actually get (laughs) to talk together on a regular basis. Yes, indeedy. So much
0: good stuff to share.
1: Exactly. And today we are going to talk about behavioral cues and clues. So those Mm -hmm. are the things that if we're observant and we listen to our instincts and intuition, they can let us know before a situation or a person becomes violent. And honestly, when I talk with women about being safe, what most women say is I don't want to have to fight off an attack. In the first place, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would rather not be in a situation than have to fight for my life. So, understanding these warning signs and cues to look for is a great way to avoid being in a situation where you might end up having to take physical action. Mm -hmm. So, some of these cues and clues are subtle, and some Mm -hmm. are blazingly obvious. Uh, And sometimes there are situations where the cues are shown over a period of time. And sometimes they're, you know, right before a violent encounter kicks off. So there's more to it than situational awareness and trusting your intuition. Because predators and criminals often behave in ways that, like, once you know what to look for and how to interpret them, those things are clear giveaways that their intentions are anything but good. So being able to recognize these warning signs not only helps you avoid being in danger, It helps you describe what you noticed and when you noticed a dangerous encounter developing and being able to articulate what happened if you're not able to avoid an encounter and explain why you had to take action is really important if you end up having to deal with law enforcement. So today, Mm. Melissa, let's dig into the cues that are more related to like physical behaviors and things you might Mm -hmm. see uh, I guess we can label it like on the street, although yeah, it might not actually be on a street and mm-hmm. in a in the next episode we do let's dive into more of the like the mental, emotional, behavioral manipulations and the things that are more in the world of coercive control and that kind of thing. I think if we tackle both of those in one in one episode, we'll be here for like two hours. So let's mm, let's get into the physical realm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, what's up with this? How can you start to pay attention to people's movement and physical cues and clues? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, first of all, thank you so much for that amazing introduction as you are want to do. Encapsulating so much in a few words, so yeah, there are various kinds of indicators. We're talking about behavioral clues, and there are, you know, as you and I have talked, this is a huge topic because there are different types of indicators. Some of them that we're going to get into today are called, generally speaking, called pre-attack indicators. Now, this is a term that is used in the martial arts, self-defense. And it mostly identifies what are some of the physical cues in terms of a person's behavior, their body language, their tone of voice, that sort of thing that might indicate, hey, three, two, one, somebody's about to clock you in the head. What do you do, right? So Mm -hmm. these are more along the lines of street attacks. And as you say, by street attack, I don't just mean Urban asphalt, although that's possible, and that's the thing that most comes to mind. Oh, we're talking about late. You leave the bar in the morning. You walk out in the street. and You know somebody attacks you, and how do you know that's going down? But it could also mean, you know, being in a lovely area and dropping your kids off at school and jaunting across a nice piece of grass or a parkway, sitting down on a Bench and wo- lo and behold, you are met by a group of thugs or predators who are going to become assailants or want to be assailants. So, by street attacks, we're talking about anything in the external world that has to do with the turf in which we inhabit. And those are going to be more concrete, as you say, and easy to observe and to catalog and to identify than the what Gavin De Becker calls, and most of us call, pre-assault indicators. And those are the hard, creepy manipulations of bad guys who will try to disarm your fear and your doubts and to gain your trust and ultimately proximity to you so that they can have privacy and control. And do their dirty deeds to gain compliance and control and attack you, you know, and using the greater size and strength and intimidation and terrifying tactics in order to subdue their intended prey. So as you say, the pre assault indicators are something other than the physical, easy to identify pre attack kinds of signs. So. That's what we're going to focus on here. And I do just want to say that I want to acknowledge, if you will, So we mentioned Gavin DeBecker, although we're going to push that ahead to the next episode, his book, The Gift of Fear. If you haven't read it, you need to go out and buy it and read it from cover to cover twice. It's all about the survival. The subtitle is Survival Signals That Protect Us From Danger and i i just want to say in a more intimate note between me and you and our listeners because there are some emotional issues here not all women have been victims of violence but i think it's fair to say that all women somewhere along the lines have been victims of fear and it is you know one of the greatest pandemics ever i really can't think of any crime that has been around forever, always. Than this pandemic of violence against women, and also using the tactics of fear to immobilize women. And if fear takes a terrible toll, it, it takes a terrible toll: anxieties, mental health, physical health, and so on. So this is a huge, huge topic, and it is one that mm-hmm. is near and dear to my heart. And And speaking of violence against women and the fear that is used to terrify women, it is the UN even has considered this one of the greatest health issues and moral issues of our time. So I can't stress enough about, you know, this reality and, you know, how much fear takes a toll. On women. And I mean, you and I both know, and probably a lot of people listening, that even their entire website, singularly devoted, for example, to women who have rebuffed men's advances. And then these fellows, men, end up launching terror campaigns against them and revenge campaigns. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I can't go, I could go on and on about stories of women who've been stalked. The other day, I talked to a woman who had a fellow who stalked her for years, and she literally moved three states around the country, including Alaska. Yet she was from the mainland, and this person followed her. And these manipulators are so good at what they do that they. this fellow actually got a whole community of people where she worked to question her motives and say, oh, you know, you were just too harsh. And you were hard on this guy and uh, questioning her mental health. And then, of course, she finally got a restraining order on this guy who terrified her. And he then Physically attack the judge who issued that restraining order. And I mean, we could just go on and on about these stories. And honestly, it filled me with great sadness and grief as well as rage that we're still having to deal with this. You know, that half of the world's population is still living in fear of the other half is just one of the greatest tragedies and outrages of our times. So it that's really the kind of backdrop.
1: It really, really is. And it it is. And like women that I talk to about fear sort of characterize it as wearing like a cloak that just weighs down. You know, it's it's an extra weight. And it, you know, Tony Blauer talks about fear a lot. He's got a lot of really good material on fear. And one of the things when I first started working with him that he said was just that, you know, fear affects everything. It influences you know, who you mm-hmm. marry and where you work and the job, mm-hmm. the job that you take and whether or not mm-hmm. you ask somebody on a date. And I mean, fear is just pervasive, but fear for women pervasive. Mm-hmm. is pervasive and it causes changes in behavior that make women yeah. feel like inhibited and it keeps women from oh, experiencing absolutely. adventure and joy and fulfillment because it's like, well, what if this happens? you know, i like to go out and do this. The
0: what if if. fear of violence or attack attack is every woman's fear. I have extensive research in this area and I keep my hands on the pulse of, you know, fear and violence against women all over the world. And what I know is that next to the fear of being killed is the fear of rape. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, of course, we can throw in economic failure and fear about our kids, but This is how pervasive it is, and it has always been so. And I honestly don't know of any other crime that is transcends time. And by that, I mean, you know, a woman in my class might talk about a rape that happened to a grandmother or a great grandmother, and it could be even two hundred years ago. And she will tell this story, but every one of us sitting in this in that room. We'll feel that chill now, today, mm-hmm. in our bones, because it's a knowing fear and it's just that pervasive and that long standing. So, yeah, that's uh, well,
1: that, that's why today's topic, mm-hmm. of like, how do you recognize these behaviors is so important. It because is important. We, we don't want to get raped. We don't want to get killed. We don't want to get abducted. And, you know, I like, I like breaking it into the two pieces, one more the mental Mm -hmm. emotional piece and one more the physical realm, because Mm -hmm. once you understand all of those and you, you you start to recognize them, then you can feel a lot more confident. So let's dive into the physical part. And I think a while ago when you and I were talking like not on the show, I think we, you said something about the human jungle. Yeah. Jung consciousness i call it yeah yeah and so right. talk about that because yeah. that was cool yeah
0: so junk it's my term for just you know the awareness of look in in nature animals in nature are innately and intimately attuned to every crunch of leaves every imprint of footprint in the earth you know every everything like that and they their ears perk up, and they immediately pay attention, and they know how to interpret those signs and that's the subtext and the subtitle of Gavin de Becker's book, Survival Signals that Protect Us from Danger." So we need to in the same way have this kind of jungle consciousness, this innate awareness, and it means being attuned to our deepest intuitive awareness and every feeling nagging feeling current feeling in the moment feeling of uh oh there's something wrong with this picture we could smell out danger because in addition to what i can say here about physical cues and what anybody else might add there is no you know be all and all book we ultimately have to rely upon our innate intuitive fear senses and say, wow, this person is asking me too many questions. This person's stance is concerning to me and so on and so forth. So it's a combination of awareness of the physical changes, the behavioral changes that we can see in a person who might be approaching us as well as our own spidey senses, if you will, our belly brain, Mm -hmm. I like to call it our deep intuitive awareness. So with that being said, I can talk about here some of the cues in terms of street attacks. And again, we're talking about any kind of turf here, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I think most of us, and I'm going to guess most people listening know that most attacks against women are by somebody now. And they don't necessarily and not usually mean a brutal, you know, sucker punch, you know, shove and push. And that's not how most women are attacked realistically. However, it happens. I myself have been street attacked. So it's really important for women to have the full range of awareness and, you know, perceptual skills. So in the sense of what i'm going to focus on here are street attacks you know things that might you might see before a mugging a street crime a physical attack a purse snatching anything like that and we'll save the rest for later so that being said one of the first clues for women especially is if somebody is paying too much attention to you now that can be on the street somebody eyeballing you, you know, noticing your movements. It could be, hey, every time I lock up my office at night, this person is there. You know, it could be anything like that. So any, and this is what we teach parents to watch out for their kids. Unwanted, Mm -hmm. too much attention. And this is also true for women. So anybody who is paying too much attention to you, always there, maybe asking too many questions. You need to, you know, maybe walk away, tell somebody, go to human resources and say, hey, this makes me uncomfortable. And the feeling of being uncomfortable, as I've said before, or feeling unease is the most important indicator. Again, because there could be a number of cues, but that's always something you can rely upon. So anybody who's paying too much attention to you, Another the next cue, I have a list of them here is has to do with boundaries. And I've talked about this in a prior podcast. And this is about if somebody won't take no for an answer. Now, it could be, you know, the nice guy at the luncheonette who says, hey, you know, come on, come on, come on. Let me buy you another cup of coffee. And you say no or drink at the bar or somebody on the street who is. Tell, trying to convince you that they're the good guy, right? And come on, mm-hmm. let me this or let me that. And those are going to come into play in the in the other next episode in terms of fake promises and so on and so forth. But anytime somebody stops you or asks you something and they don't take no for an answer, you really don't take this as flattery. Take this as a danger sign. Um, you don't, by the way, owe anybody a conversation. Okay. No woman owes somebody, nobody owes somebody a conversation. It's fine for you to just walk on by or just say to somebody, no, I'm not interested, or whatever. So if somebody is pressing your boundaries and you know, not taking no for an answer, you really need to pay attention. And related to that, and this is one of the more common ploys, if you will, use to gain proximity and getting close it's called distraction. Now this is one of the oldest ploys in the book. When I'm teaching women I do a whole role play episode where I'm standing against with my role play instructor and for example if somebody stops you and asks you let's say for directions or for you know a help with this or that and I'm I'm all for being humanistic and helping people but if somebody stops you and they're asking you a question and you are uncomfortable, and that's the key factor here, right? Um, mm-hmm. You have to be careful of distraction. It might be, can you give me directions to here or there? You know, do you happen to have an extra dollar? Or maybe they're pointing down the street and they're saying, I think the nearest Walmart is down there. Can you, you know, tell me if that's so. So, what happens is distraction is used a lot. And what it does is it takes you, if you don't ever want to take your eyes off of a person and put them someplace else. For example, they could be throwing something on the ground or, or, or dropping something on the ground. You don't want to take your eyes off of a person and look down at the ground. You don't want to just follow their finger and look to where they're pointing or any of these things. And I role play all this stuff. Because anytime you do that and you take your eyes off of a person, it creates this nice little window of opportunity if a person had bad intent to then, you know, close that distance on you very quickly. I'll talk about this in a second. And if their intention was bad to grab your stuff or to harm you or whatever it is. So don't allow yourself to be distracted. It's the oldest trick in the book, right? So and you
1: know like what comes into my mind is they might not be alone. Absolutely and that was the, my next thing
0: is that when oh, you're sorry. yeah no exactly so if somebody's approaching you and you always want to we I've talked about this before about distance. Now you always want to keep somebody you don't know I'm not talking about your loved one I'm talking about somebody you don't know or somebody makes you uncomfortable you need to keep that 5 or 6 feet of distance. That's what allows you to see the whole person's body and you need to engage your peripheral vision. And by that, I mean, I'm standing on a street corner. Somebody asked me for, you know, help to find a place. I want to be at a distance where I can see the whole person and I can use my soft vision and my peripheral vision. So if I can see side to side without moving my eyeballs, now this is a, cultivated skill albeit. So if I'm teaching in a class, I'm role-playing this and I have somebody standing maybe 20 feet away from me to the right or the left, and I will ask them, at some point in my demonstration, I want you to raise your hand. And I will identify by the snap of my finger, okay, I see that. Without moving my eyeballs, because you're using peripheral vision, you're seeing the whole person without taking your eyes off of this person which, again, affords that window of opportunity. So you want to use peripheral, peripheral vision and be able to see the entire person's body and not fall prey to distraction, right? Now, this is an important thing also about five or six feet. And we talk about this a lot in terms of two arm's length or five feet or so. I'll throw in the COVID factor, right? You want to keep some distance. Mm-hmm. For all of those kinds of reasons, but that just allows you to be safe so if they were going to attack you, they need that distance. It's called the reactionary gap. it's five or six feet. It's the distance the person needs. Let's say somebody is you know at that distance, and they decide to go in on me right. They need that distance. In that distance, they still have to take a big step. They still have to close that space. And I get to see that movement. You get to see that movement. That's one of the reasons why this matters, the reactionary gap. In that one or two seconds for somebody to close that gap on you, you might be able to engage your pepper spray, step to the side, get off the attack line. Call for help, pull, you know, run—any of these things. So you need to be aware of possible distractions and keep the distance, so that you can act accordingly. And in 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 the on behalf of your safety, right? You can be safe. That's mm-hmm. critical. And also in that, you want to keep your face neutral. This is something I always recommend to women. You don't want to stare or fixate at the person. They ask you something. You're dealing with somebody you don't know them. You don't want to have a hard eye. You don't want to, you know, um, cower. You don't want to look away. It's an attitude that I call very neutral, plain vanilla. And it's a kind of soft eyes. It's sometimes called eagle vision, which is a wide-angle lens. It lets you get to see everything going on at once, you know, without turning away or missing an opportunity, not looking away. And you also always want to see where a person's hands are. This is critical because if somebody's going to attack you, they're going to use a hand. Now that might be an empty hand, a fist. It also could be a hand that's concealing a weapon or a blade. So, you always want to be able to know where a person's hands are. And if all of a sudden you can't see a person's hands or they're wearing a big jacket and they're disguising that, that's trouble. Leave. You know, walk away, run, do whatever you need to, but always, always see where a person's hands are. And similar to that is something I called scouting. Scouting is, like you said, teamwork. Maybe they're calling in. Backup. Maybe they're calling in their second person because in a lot of street crime there is more than one one person. They might, you know, there might be a person in the front, a person behind, or even a group of people. So scouting is—you might be walking down the street and there, and it maybe it's late at night. Maybe you're uncomfortable and they're leaning up against a wall or whatever it is, and they're just kind of nodding and watching you go by. Now, that doesn't necessarily, of course, mean that there's trouble, that that person is an instigator or criminal. But scouting is common, and it's what people do when there's more than one would-be attacker. They're paying attention to your movements, your patterns. So it's more reason why you want to just, watch, you know, people in your environment. And, you know, if somebody's leaning against the wall or they're looking at you or they're, you know, it may be time to leave. <laughs> I mean, that's the simplest way to say it. It may be time to just go back and leave because it could be a scout and that happens scouting.
1: That's really interesting. I haven't heard that term before, but what you're talking about is really paying attention to how people position themselves in the environment that you're in. Yeah. Uh, And I think what it what it points to is that, you know, the people that we're talking about, the perpetrators or the the criminals or predators, like they're not dumb and they not at all. They come up with really good processes for picking a target and also for selecting an environment where they're going to be successful. So it makes a lot of sense to me that if they're working in a team, there would be a couple of people just kind of checking out the crowd, scouting for a good victim. And, and what you're talking about, about somebody leaning up against a wall or something like that just makes me think about, you know, look at, look at what your path is going to be. You know, are you going to have to go between two people or down an alley or around the corner uh, because they could be positioned there so that you just, um, yeah, Maybe that's a big rabbit hole, but you just brought up like, oh, wow, I hadn't hadn't been thinking about how important it is to look at people's positioning, but it could be a great giveaway clue if you're looking for that. Absolutely. And it
0: happens. And this may be a little bit more of an urban thing, but not necessarily where somebody's just, you know, like, like you say, they're positioning themselves because they're going to watch you go by. Now the clue here is, especially if you see it more than once, is their behavior or they're leaning against the wall purposeful or not? And mm-hmm. if it's just there to kind of watch you go by and there's any kind of hand motion or whatever, even without, it's it's often used in multiple assailant attacks. So if you again if you have the inkling that you're being watched. Or, you know, your behavior is being looked at from this point of view, then it's better to be safe than sorry. Mm-hmm. And it, it it happens all over the world, this thing called scouting, you know, because they don't want to be seen. If If there's a group, and this is my next thing, is the pack thing and the group thing, you know, they're going to send somebody out ahead as the scout. This is just what happens to determine the location, the person, that whole thing. And so, you know, again, of course, not everybody leaning against a wall, smoking a cigarette or whatever is a bad guy. That is not what I'm saying. But if you feel somebody is watching you because they're also maybe signaling other people or it's the second day and they're still there and, You know, these are potential indicators that something foul is a play, is up. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just something to be aware of. It's a kind of, it's almost like a hunting behavior. Right. Or stalking behavior. They are looking for maybe an easy target or just an opportunity. A lot of these things I'm talking about are opportunistic crimes. So scouting, you don't hear a lot about, but it it happens. So pay attention.
1: When you're talking about like what you were originally talking about with the jungle, Mm. you know, this is like typical predatory animal behavior, too. Animal behavior is right on. And this leads to
0: pack mentality. And by that, I mean that a lot of crimes and especially crimes against women happen in By packs of men. I mean, a lot of crimes happen that way. But if you see in any way, you know, whether it's by cars, guys in cars, and I'm sorry to say guys, but those are usually who commit these crimes, or, you know, again, in any kind of gathering, and there's a group of men, or suddenly, suddenly, there's two or three or four men that suddenly congregate, you know, you would be well-served to get out of there. And I'm not saying that, you know, men don't congregate without malintent. They do, just like women do. But if there's bad intent, there's this pack mentality or herd mentality. And men are more empowered, if I could use that word here, to go after women and there's a group of them. You see this Mm -hmm. in gang attacks and gang rapes and all over the world. It's often by a group of males, not just one male, but by a group. So anytime you see, or if there's a group of men that suddenly start to circle, oh my God, that's a really scary sign. You never want to be in sandwiched in between two or three people. I mean, that's just a bad place to be. I was once, attacked in my earlier podcast, I talked about this by a group of men who quickly mushroomed around me. And it can happen in a flash, in literally seconds, because they alert each other. And so especially if you're it's late at night, you're, you know, working your car, you're unnerved, it's you know not well lit, all of these kind of indicators you want to be especially careful to any group or gang a pack of males suddenly congregating. It could be street harassment. I mean, a lot of women are harassed on the street by groups of men could be a group of cars, but it's just something to pay special attention to. And if you suspect that, or you see that, or it suddenly go like, Oh, now there's two guys. I like, no, it's time to get out. It's time to get out of there, get to safety, you know, call for help, do whatever you need to do, prepare yourself in the event of there's some kind of attack by group.
1: That's really interesting because Rory Miller, he lists out five places mm. that are dangerous places to be, and one of them is a place where young men gather mm. and it's not because there's anything intrinsically wrong with young men. Yeah. I mean, primarily I have two young men in my family. Mm-hmm. I've got two sons, you know, it's not intrinsically young men. It's that young men in groups, well, and men in groups, not necessarily young. There are dynamics sometimes mm-hmm. at work that are, that are related to social violence. So it might be, mm-hmm. you, you need to go and do this thing so that you can, enhance your position in the group or so that you can gain membership in the group or prove yourself somehow. Yes. You know, there's all different kinds of dynamics within those groups that actually have nothing to do with you as the person who gets targeted. Right. It has everything to do with their group dynamics and you know, what, what the men in those groups need to do in order to either gain entry to the group or stay in the group. It's a kind of bonding.
0: Unfortunately, yeah. to say, I mean, yeah. and this happens in the street, it happens in the military. it happens in a lot of different environments where male and and you know they gain a sense of power and empowerment on mass, and mm-hmm. I think that's what you're talking about, so yeah, anytime you see i mean fine, you're walking down the street in midtown Manhattan, and it's broad daylight, and there's a million people around and there's a group of guys at a construction site, maybe saying, "You know kind of sexist things or whatever it's rude, it's horrible, it's not necessarily dangerous so mm-hmm. but you know if you're alone and it's a different kind of dicey situation it's this is really something exactly that you need to pay attention to. Because it could be a kind of animal kingdom en masse sort of thing, if you will. And yeah, so that it could be, yeah, they're posturing for each other to be part Mm -hmm. of the group, to be, you know, show their prowess. It's sick. It's really sick. Unfortunately, however, it happens, and as women, it's one of the things we just need to be aware of. And on Mm -hmm. that note, this brings me to, you know, let's up it a notch. Okay, so, you know, now you're in a, there's some word spoken. You've told somebody you're not interested, or leave me alone, or you've just walked on by and they don't like that or whatever. and. Now we get into, of course, Rory Miller will talk about a lot, also called the monkey dance. Now, this is something Mm -hmm. you see in the in the barroom brawl. Anybody who may be unfamiliar with that term, but they have seen movies where there's a barroom brawl, you're going to see the monkey dance. And basically, it's a kind of ritual posturing. And this could happen in any kind of street encounter where guys will puff themselves up make themselves larger than life. The goal is to intimidate you, to say, hey, look at me, I'm big, I'm bigger than that. Often it's a a male-male contest, but it's important for women to understand these things because it can also happen to them. And if for no other reason, because maybe they're out on a wonderful night on the town having dinner or at a club or at a bar with their male friend or loved one, and they see this happening and they need to know, hey, Bob, we should exit now because this is happening, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, the monkey dance in there may be a few interpretations of it, but it's that kind of ritual posturing where and it's rooted in security, but it's also rooted in, you know, intimidation where guys will puff themselves up puff their chest and it's kind of a, pardon the expression, my monkey's bigger than your monkey. You know, I'm mm-hmm. I'm the big alpha guy here and it's, it's all about intimidation and trying to get their way, right? Now, if you see this, this kind of posturing, especially you'll often see it accompanied by finger pointing and, you know, you're talking to mm-hmm. me. What you talking about? What are you looking at? That kind of thing, right? And uh, it's, it's a potential danger sign. Now, the truth is, um, in the research and studies, that most humans, most people, they don't want to fight. Actually, what they're hoping for <laughs> is to be talked down, is to get an mm-hmm. honorable exit, is for somebody to say, dude, hey, it's okay, you know, let's just walk away from this. And those are actual words I've used myself many times, number of times. Mm -hmm. So actually, you know, it doesn't mean all hope is lost. It just means, okay, you know, this person is trying to prove themselves. And can I walk away? Can I get out of here? Can I just say, hey, I'm sorry, even if they're dead, plain English. Right.
1: To, right. Yeah. Right. Even if- well, that that just means you have to set your ego to the side Absolutely. and not think Don't yeah, go I'm going to teach this guy a lesson Absolutely and you not. know prove he's being an asshole. No, because that's just going to escalate it. Absolutely. And, and giving and yourself permission to just say, oh, dude, so am sorry. You know, right. And I'm, and, I'm just going to leave. That's, that's big. And I've
0: seen this against women, too, where, you know, because intimidation tactics are often used to you know, get a woman to comply or go with the guy or whatever it is. No. So, I mean, just saying, I'm sorry. Or, you know, again, in in the male male world of combat, there are all kinds of things that go on in um, reducing this and de-escalation comes into play. Like I'm sorry. Or you got to figure out what a person wants. So this person is posturing. Maybe they're just being a dick. Maybe they want some, you know, I'm so sorry. You know, let me buy you a drink or whatever it is. But these are one of the signs in this kind of posturing kind of thing. And it could be just, I mean, in the next episode, I'll tell you a story. I'll tell everybody's story about a guy who used, I mean, it happens all the time, whose posturing was literally around a coffee table to try and get a woman to comply, honestly. So, and often this is like, you know, posturing and a a finger point and a shove and this whole kind of thing.
1: Have you been struggling with concerns about your emotional or physical safety? I wanna let you know about an exciting new coaching program that can help you get peace of mind and confidence. I've spent more than 20 years learning how to recognize and avoid people in situations that might be dangerous, and how to get out of threatening situations if I couldn't avoid them. I would love to put this experience to use, coaching you in designing your own personalized strategy for keeping yourself safe. Now, my normal coaching rate is $500 a month, but I figured out a way to make this as affordable as I possibly can, as an exclusive offer for just eight people. This is the Power Up Your Safety Laser Coaching Program, and in this program, I will work with you over short 15-minute calls to tap into your natural abilities so that you don't have to memorize techniques that you might forget in the heat of the moment, to develop strategies, tools, and skills to protect yourself and not rely on someone else like 911 or your significant other to step in and save you to learn physical self-defense skills based on what everybody can do that work no matter what your age, size, or shape. You also learn how predators, abusers, and criminals operate so that you can recognize warning signs and avoid being in dangerous situations. You'll create mental blueprints for real scenarios that you might face, which means that you'll be ready to act, not stuck trying to figure out what to do in the moment and you'll develop a powerful mindset so that you are motivated to take action and don't feel intimidated or stuck in fear. So for these eight select clients, this program is less than $84 a month for a full year of unlimited 15-minute laser coaching sessions with me. We start with a 30-minute call so that I can learn more about your specific concerns and questions about keeping yourself and your loved ones safe. And then, with each 15-minute call, we will agree on your homework for you to do so that you can take action between calls to move forward. And once you've done your homework, you can schedule your next call. So, for example, you can have your call on a Wednesday, do your homework assignment right after your call, and schedule your next call right away. If you recognize that this is the perfect solution to move you from where you are now to where you want to be just go to my website, CynthiaJolikerRude.com slash laser to find out how you can apply to be one of the select group of personal clients who will get one full year of personal coaching from me for under $84 a month. Now, I just want to let you know that I do guarantee my program and my coaching. So if during our first call, you feel as though this is actually not a program for you, I will promptly return your money in full. So there's no risk at all to you in exploring this option. For those women who don't want to jump into a group program or who don't want to spend large amounts of time improving their personal safety, this is the way to go because we can go at the pace that you want to go. Spend as much time as you want to spend each week or each month. And what we cover is personalized and customized just for you. I'm so excited to be able to offer this solution for you to help you overcome your concerns about your safety and to finally get you some peace of mind, confidence, and freedom. And I'm thrilled to be able to offer it in a way that suits your schedule and can be customized to meet your specific needs. So if you're interested in becoming one of the select number of clients, go to CynthiaJolikerRude.com slash laser and sign up today. So if you see this. Well, you're, you're right that watching this is really important because I mean, we might just be on the periphery of two, two people having this kind of interaction And the thing is, if one of them doesn't back down and walk away and it does escalate, you know, they can escalate into a fight that then goes completely haywire with multiple people. So even if we're not actually directly involved in the initial monkey dance, if it doesn't get de-escalated and it blows up, we can definitely get caught up in, you know, mayhem.
0: Absolutely. I mean, even if you're just in the neighborhood or vicinity, this is what happens, and you know you see this on the street, you see this in bars or pubs or dance clubs or anywhere, and you can see this. I mean, even against women, assailants, sexual assailants, they will, you know, just circle around a woman and puff themselves up and point because their goal is to intimidate and dominate, and. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we need to be aware of this and you might be in the vicinity of it. It may cause mayhem and you need to just be aware of this kind of thing. And sometimes women are the ones who have to step in (laughs) because guys get hooked easily, more easily in some cases and quickly into the contest. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes a woman might have to say, hey, hey, hey you know, let's just chill out. It's okay. You know, we'll do this or we'll do that. Because people want an honorable exit and if you can give that to somebody and let them walk away, it's a win. It's, Mm -hmm. it's a sucky win, but it's a win, right? Mm -hmm. It's still a win. Yep. So that's that piece. Now, again, taking this up a notch right before People often say, well, what are the signs, you know, how will I know that somebody's about to actually physically attack me? Well, there's a number of things. One clear indicator is that if somebody's uh, about to assail you or a person atching or whatever it is, crime, mugging, they're going to quickly look around, especially if it's on the street. They're going to look to see, is anybody watching? Can I get away with this? Are there cameras rolling? That sort of thing. So if you Mm -hmm. see you're in a situation and you said to somebody, hey, no, I'm not interested, or you walked away or they're agitated. And now you start to look around or just you're there on the street. They're looking around. That can be a sign, right? Because Mm -hmm. nobody wants to be seen. Everybody wants right. to get no away. witnesses. no witnesses. they don't want to be seen. They don't want you to raise a right and I mean, this goes to another kind of thing episode about women using their voice and so on, but nobody wants to be seen and they will look around generally speaking. Another behavior is in their physical behavior is when somebody's really angry and they're in, or they're thinking about attacking. They'll start to shift their stance. You might see, for example, a shuffle from side to side. This is kind of anxious anxiety shuffle while they're Mm -hmm. looking around some side to side. You might see literally. That's their adrenaline going up, right? Absolutely. Their adrenaline is going up and they're moving and they're just, their anxiety is building and. They might also shift into a boxer stance. And by that, you know, I think we all know what that means. It means one leg forward, one leg back because they're getting ready to, let's say, throw their best punch or lunge and grab. engulf. golf mm-hmm. for women, this is common. Nobody's looking. I'm looking around and now I'm going to, you know, shift into a stance and boom, get in your grill and move in. Right. So if you see and there's agitation and somebody's not leaving you alone and they shift into a boxer stance, man, you'd be, you, you best get moving and be counting down because three, two, one, boom, they're going to be on you. That's just my experience. And, mm-hmm. um, they also might, you also might see a change in their coloring, literally a more of a redness, a pinkish color because of the shifts or changes in blood pressure. So mm-hmm. you, these are some of the kind of animalistic things you might see. You might hear in the voice something more growling, growling, suddenly their voice drops, their tone drops, and they're settled down and they're pointing. And you're just trying to go on your business, right? And uh, a change in their voice. its It's also tension. They might even get monosyllabic. Which means they're not even they're not even saying complete sentences. It's like you mother, you know. It's like mm-hmm. one or two syllables because that's about all their brain is going to handle at that point. They might ball up into a fist, but you're going to see some visible signs of tension. This is very common right in the precursor to an attack: the reddening in the skin and their facial features might change. Now, this is very primal and primate. So what's been shown is that when somebody is about to attack you, their level of aggression is so high, you will often see a kind of forward movement in their lower jaw. Think about it. Do it as I say mm-hmm. it. Now, the jaw comes mm-hmm. forward, the teeth touch. It's not a tight cleanse, partly because they're expecting to be punched in the jaw. So they're kind of preparing for that. It's a part aggressive response and part preparation. So the jar often comes forward and their eyebrows, um, the lower forehead often knits down the brow, knits closer. So there's crinkles in the brow and their eyebrows knit closer and their eyes kind of shut a little. Now, some theories would have it that that's a prehistoric thing and it has to do with, protecting the eyes so Mm. yeah so the jaw might jet forward the eyes might knit down these are some other signs they're not necessarily you can't count on that but these are some of the indicators
1: well the word for that is they start looking pugnacious yes right pugnacious
0: and animalistic yeah pugnacious Mm -hmm. for sure Mm -hmm. now because
1: you wouldn't you wouldn't look like that for any other reason
0: No, you wouldn't. There'd be no reason to. So your jaw juts forward, your teeth start to touch, eyebrows knit together. And yeah, there's a, it's very aggressive. It's indicative. Usually this person's about to go off. They're not able to control them Now this whole time you're trying to like talk a person down or walk away or Just run away or just say, hey, you know, there's no problem here. I just want to go about my business. But if for whatever reason, they're determined. It's all about what they want. Unfortunately, it's about what does it maybe they want to sexually assault you. Maybe they want your money. Maybe, you know, they just want to put you in your place. They're all bad, Mm -hmm. right? They're all bad inclinations. Right before, right before a person attacks, they will eyeball their target. So <laughs> it's just what happens. If somebody suddenly starts fixating or staring at your jaw or your hips, it's just, it's what people do. Before they strike, they will eyeball their target, they will look at the thing you're trying to hit. Mm-hmm. If you start to see this at the la- and these are usually in the last seconds, somebody's eyeballing your face or your private parts or, or your purse or whatever it is. You really need to be moving. You should already be moving because that means they're about to strike out at that target, and it's often accompanied by this. Terrible, terrible freeze, and by that I mean the air between the two of you and this would be assailant, mugger, whatever just freezes, and there is no mistaking it. I mean, I have felt it, and I will end this with one story. It just goes ice cold, and there's this terrible tension because right before they go to strike, there's just this moment where um you know they shift if you will into another realm and you can feel it it's unmistakable women have said to me i just mm-hmm. knew it i felt like prey or i knew right. this was going to happen i knew this was you know this attack was coming we don't want you to feel like prey we want you to be prepared and that you know more episodes with skills and abilities to counter these things and you know be able to Counterattack, if need be, but there is an unmistakable tension. It's a freeze now. Adrenaline will produce this. Obviously, adrenaline will make it such that it, it there's tunnel vision, and there is a sense of everything else falling off the map. Every other sense perception is gone. There's nothing that exists. But this moment of terrible tension, Darwinian, between you and this other character, this other animal. And in a couple of seconds, it's going to come to blows. And there is just no mistaking it. So I will tell you a quick story, if I can. I lived um, for years in Boston. And I would often come home very late. I lived on a one block long dead end street. And would often come home late at night after class and cleaning up and all that stuff. And it might be one in the morning, whatever. And you drive around in cities, if you know this. You drive around trying to find a place to park. And by the time you get to your street, it's, you know, God knows what hour. And so one night I was walking uh, on this one block long dead end street in Boston towards my apartment. and. This guy appears. Uh, kind of out of the blue, but that wasn't unusual because cities are alive at night. And by the way, before I would get there, I would always stop at a convenience store and get a piping hot cup of black coffee <laughs> and carry it in my hand, my right hand, my dominant hand, just in case something happened. I mean, that would be my opening move. Improvised weapons are great. I'm big into them and you know, if something happened, boom, you know, a giant throw of hot white coffee in the face would be my opening ball. And it's a it's a fine. It's a good one. You know, you always have to have something, especially late at night. So I'm walking home and there's this guy, not so huge. I mean, I'm five feet tall on a good hair day. He was maybe five, seven or so. I'm a thin cat. But quite nimble. He was a nimble. I watched the way he moved. He was very agile. And uh, he comes up towards me, and I don't even remember what he said. It was something very innocuous, like "Hey, nice night," or something like. that. But I knew in that moment he was eyeballing me from top to bottom, and I watched him do this. You know, I made sh- I backed up a little because, again, you want to have that space to see the whole person. And I saw him. And this happens in seconds and milliseconds. I saw him. I sized me up from top to bottom, and uh, he asked me one more time to do something. And it was an innocuous thing. And I, you, you want to walk on your way. You don't want to be stopped. You don't want to stay in place. You want to keep moving, circle around a person, move on, right? And mm-hmm. um, in the meantime, I'm like, okay, this is trouble. I knew it right away. Why? Spidey sense. Why? Just intuitive awareness that, wow, there's no purposeful reason why this fellow is talking to me right now, other than the fact that he's sizing me up. And within, you know, a fraction of a second, I was sort of downloading my primal self. I had hunkered down physically, literally, into a deeper stance. Um, I was clear about, I, I already noticed he was right-handed by how he was gesturing to me. I'm like, okay, his mm-hmm. right hand, great. I'm going to wrap his hand and this is what I'm going to do. And, you know, I had an item uh, all slung off my right shoulder. And I swear to you, in that moment, he looked at me and what he saw was the Medusa looking back at him. No, really, he it was my Medusa face, and that I was hunkered down in this really animal. He looked at me for a second, and I was ready. You know, if he was gonna, and this is what I mean by you got to keep some distance. You got to see the whole person, all of this kind of stuff to use to your advantage. And I, he saw that. It was clear to me that within a fraction of a second, he saw that look on my face. He saw my stance, and. He summarily turned on his heels and I watched him walk away. And I stood Mm -hmm. there watching him walk away until I felt safe. And, you know, I mean, this is it's, you know, if this was my response to that. And I share that story only to tell you, you know, these are the clues to look for. Here are some things, you know, if you can't just, you know, run for help or get away or leave or tell somebody human resources, hey, this creepy guy is showing up at my door every time I lock up at night, you know, then we need, we also need to be prepared. And yeah I, that worked. And I will tell you another time in a, a neighboring town in Brookline, Massachusetts, I was uh, outside a little coffee shop. And it was early evening, and this guy was just going ballistic on the street. He was really pissed off at this woman who had said something that he found very offensive, and I stepped in. Because I saw this happening, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I kind of edged in between, at the same time being fully aware of my space and my distance and all that. And he was, it was that moment of freeze. He was just agitated. And he was pissed and he was about to lash out and punch out somebody. And so I kind of edged my way in and I just put my hands up in a a soft boundary setting kind of way because de-escalating is a different set of skills. It involves developing an immediate rapport using some empathy as well as boundary setting. And I just put my hands up, you know, to protect my distance and also say, Oh, man, what a shitty day. I, I mean, I mean, yeah, I see it. What a shitty day. I'm having a lousy day, day too. Let's just walk away from this. That's all I had to say and do. And again, you know, I was ready if, you know, if he decided to go on the attack. Okay. You know, I would counterattack. And I watched him instantaneously soften a little bit in his face, his jaw, his that knit in his eyebrows, he softened a little, and I watched him take a breath. And I knew, okay, it was on the right track. And I said, come on, dude, let's just walk away from this. <sighs> Another second. And he did. So, hmm. you know, there are various strategies that one can use. I mean I'm just talking about what are the signs, but there are various strategies that one can use. And these are some generic things. They're not just specific to women, except that in attacks against women, like I said, if somebody is testing and intruding upon your space, don't allow that. Because it takes one more big step for somebody to close that distance, slap you, slap their hand over your mouth, Golf you that sort of thing, and and that's that's often how these things happen on the street or in any kind of a turf, or on a dating situation, or in the back room of a bar, or you know you walk out of a place right, and again this is a little bit different from the things that we're going to talk about next time regarding the insidious nature of manipulative ploys and such, but these are the kinds of things that you really. Need to watch out for, and by no means is this is, you know, a be all and all kind of list. It's just a handful oh, of stuff.
1: This is great. It's great, though, and and God, it's so many thoughts banging around in my brain right now. So many no thoughts. Oh, share, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So one thing that is coming to mind is in your description of the like the right before the attack is launched, physical changes and the signs of changing the stance and target glancing, whatever it is they want to hit Mm -hmm. or or Mm -hmm. grab and, you know, the face facial changes and the color and and Mm -hmm. all of those things. And I mean, you didn't mention it, but I I know, you know, it, but just like the quick inhale of breath in B1, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. breathing changes, Yeah, like those things are Mm -hmm. so important to know. Mm -hmm. And it's actually something that in Tony Blower's method of, of training in the spear system, one of the drills that we do is called emotional climate training. And we will take a particular kind of an attack and slow it way down Mm. and kind of rewind Mm. it from frame by frame, from the moment Mm -hmm. of impact backwards. Mm -hmm. And by, you know, the first, the first iteration if you as, as the good girl are just on the receiving end, mm. you just take it, you know, maybe it's, it's that sucker punch or the choke. You just let it land, which is kind of showing you, like, if you don't do anything, this is what's going to happen. But then your bad guy basically goes through a whole sequence of these movements and cues, you know, like a, like a ball pitching machine. So we'll do it over and over and over again at super, super slow speed so that you can see it all. Because when you look at it and when you can start to label it and say, you know, I see he's looking left, looking right, furrowing the brow. I hear a breath. Now he's stepping back slightly with the right hand. Shoulders are shifting. Ah, I can see it's shifting. making a Thank ball with the fist. Thank you. Watch the shoulder. <laughs> but you know when you, when you catalog the them shoulder. all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So when you catalog them all and you're seeing them all at super slow speed, what you're doing is giving your brain like this crash course in this is what this particular attack looks like. And so I just I love it because we can do this emotional climate training with any kind of of an attack, but the whole key is getting very clear on what are the common movements and behaviors that happen before the actual impact. So I just, I was sitting here just like so excited just to hear you go through that litany of the various things for, you know, a particular kind of an attack, because they're not things that most women really are aware of, Mm -hmm. because like most of us don't go around punching things, Mm -hmm. we don't go around choking people, we don't Mm -hmm. go around grabbing people from behind. But we need to learn what that looks like so that mm-hmm. if if we're out on the street or we're in a shopping mall or something like that, and somebody has this intention, we actually will see it faster if we've done that kind of training.
0: Yeah. So Absolutely. I was super excited to hear well, that. That was really... thank you for saying that. And yes, and just to reiterate, one of the things you said that I, I neglected to say, which is... When you're seeing the whole person and you have soft eyes and full vision, you're always making sure that you can see a person's shoulders. And Mm -hmm. they might say something, but you don't want to fixate on their eyes and go, oh, I'm in love with you or, oh, I hate you or whatever it is, right? You want to see the whole person. And because one of the clearest indicators, if somebody's going to lunge and grab or strike or slap or punch you, that shoulder's going to go back. thank you for for reminding me of that. This is an important thing to see and to identify and to log because it will yeah. happen there's no way think about it logically if you know I was going to punch you, my shoulder's going to move because otherwise i'm just punching straight forward and it's weak and it 's meaningless. You might as well spit on it.
1: You know, it's a fun thing to do in front of the mirror if you don't believe that this is really important. You it know, stand is important. in front of the mirror and see if it's you can totally like important. slap your face in the mirror without moving your shoulder. Absolutely. And boxers know this. Train boxers know this to look for any
0: backward movement in the shoulder. And that's more reason why you want to see the whole person and not just fixate on the face because they're talking to you. Big deal. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You need to see all of them. And yeah, so these are some of the most basic indicators. And again, you know, in attacks against women, the testing of the boundaries, the refusal to take no for an answer, the paying way too much attention to you. These are some of the first indicators, if you will, long before that. I have
1: more questions. Have more questions. (laughs) I love that. You know, I am question girl. So I'm sure you know the book Left of Bang by Patrick Van Horn. Hmm. So in that book, he, he defines, uh, left of bang. He says that means it's before the bad stuff happens. Hmm. And it's actually where you want to be because you're alert, ready, prepared to respond to protect yourself and your loved ones. And according to him, like being left of bang, requires a mindset and a mentality to actively search your area, you know, the environment that you're in for people that don't fit in. Yeah. And the second is Mm -hmm. the knowledge to know what causes somebody to stand out from the crowd. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like when you're out and about on the street, in the mall, in a movie theater or something like that, Mm -hmm. what do you look for You know, how do you search the area to identify people that maybe don't fit? And what do you look for? You know, what do you think about, about why is that person actually not the same as all the others? Great question. And again, this goes to things at malls. I
0: mean, my head goes to things in the Middle East that happen and blow up and all kinds of things. So you're talking about baseline. You need to establish a baseline. And now people often think, oh, I'm supposed to look for something that stands out. Well, not exactly. What you want to look for in terms of baseline is the commonalities. So it's warm. It's summer. Everybody's wearing shorts and T-shirts. This is the baseline. Now, suddenly you see somebody in a big, heavy jacket. That should stand out to you because it's not part of the baseline. And it may well indicate trouble. You know, maybe they're hiding a weapon. Maybe they're just cuckoo. Who knows, right? So, Mm -hmm. what you want to do is establish what's the norm, not just what pops out as weird or different, but what's the norm. Once you establish what the norm is, in any given area or region or whether it's another country or the shopping mall or a given particular street, then anything that deviates from that norm should capture your attention, and that's informational that's indicative of something that might be wrong you know or abnormal or potentially dangerous so You know, that's what I would say about that is establish the baseline, not the abnormalities, but rather the normality of what is normal in a given area. And then if something is deviates, you'll see it.
1: It'll jump out Mm -hmm. out at you. So it's, it's what people look like and what people are doing. Those are the things that you're looking at. What they look like, what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and what's you know, what's normal for that environment. Right. and what's normal? You're in a coffee
0: shop or in a mall and people talk a certain way or they gesture a certain way. You're in Italy and everybody's like, oh la, 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 they have big loud. Suddenly you see this person in the corner with hushed little small gestures. Now that doesn't mean mm-hmm. that person is a bad guy, but your eye needs to go to that. And if you train Mm -hmm. yourself to see, like you said, normal behaviors, normal gestures, that sort of thing, you will start to see what is different than that. And it's in those differences that we gain information. Mm -hmm.
1: One of the things that Tammy McCracken talked about at the 500 Rising training earlier this year that I hadn't really consciously registered as being something to look at was sort of the flow of traffic, you know, not necessarily in a vehicle, but just foot traffic when you're walking on a sidewalk or through a mall or something, there's a, there's a normal flow Mm -hmm. of how people move through space. Mm -hmm. And so anything that disrupts that flow or goes counter to that flow is something that you want to pay attention to.
0: Can you give me an example?
1: I just think, you know, there's, think about if you're, I just took a trip, like plane, so I was going mm. up and down a lot of escalators in mm. airports, and like everybody knows, you go up the up escalator mm-hmm. and down the down escalator, mm-hmm. and there's a convention. You know, if you've got bags, you put your bag on the right. Mm-hmm. You know, and so the people who want to just you know move on past you, they can move on past you on the left, and mm-hmm. like that's accepted behavior. Mm-hmm. So if you see somebody standing at the top of that up escalator, looking like they're going to start heading down it.
0: Mm. That's like, that's weird. That's totally and that's weird. not normal. Yeah, that is not definitely you not know. normal. It's the yeah. same idea of deviating from what
1: is the general normal behavior. Exactly. Exactly. Same thing. Like if you want to test it, just uh, get on an elevator. <laughs> and instead of doing what is normal, where you you go in mm-hmm. and you turn around and everybody stands with their back to the back and their front to the door, you know, just go in and stand facing the back and see what happens. like you will creep people out because it's not sure you would creep me
0: out that's for sure (laughs) absolutely yeah so anything like that it's it's yeah it's just something to pay attention to it's paying attention it's all about paying attention because none of Mm -hmm. these things in and of themselves indicate hey that's a bad guy or that's a you know somebody's going to attack me it's you pay attention, you apply your deepest intuitive awareness, and sometimes it's over time, you know, is there a pattern here? Is this person exhibiting two or three of these said behaviors that makes you go, hmm, because mm-hmm. otherwise we'd all be guilty of a crime. Right.
1: <laughs> well, so, you know, Mark McYoung, mm-hmm. I, I see yeah. you're familiar with Yes. Him. Well, he has. Uh, yeah, of course, you of course, you know him. Um, He's got a book called What You Don't Know Can Kill You. And one part of that book that I just absolutely loved because I hadn't thought about it, you know, in the way that he presented it was about the difference between normal, abnormal and dangerous. Mm. And uh, let me just share mm. a little mm-hmm. blurb out of that because it's like, sure. fits right into mm-hmm. what we were just talking about. So he says, we all have massive encyclopedias inside our heads of what is normal behavior for different environments and situations. You use this unconscious reference guide to affect your behavior thousands of times a day. Once you know what's normal for an environment, something out of place will just feel wrong and immediately attract your attention. Mm -hmm. And then he goes on and he breaks down abnormal and dangerous behavior. So abnormal behavior is a yellow flag that falls outside of normal So the key is to recognize when something isn't within the normal parameters and pay attention to it because that buys you time to evaluate it, you know, come up with options and do whatever you need to do to be safe. So abnormal is not necessarily dangerous. And his description of dangerous behavior is that it's all about circumstances that can and will result in harm. There are deliberate actions that stand out and make them neither normal nor abnormal. And they can't be safely explained. They can't be written off as coincidence. They conform to known dangerous patterns, like you were describing, right? And they also develop the means for a successful attack. So mm-hmm. when these these guys are going through these behaviors, it's not just for fun. It's to set them up mm-hmm. for success. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also helps them adapt to any countermeasures that you might have, so I, I think for me that little breakdown of normal, abnormal, and dangerous was really helpful in thinking like, how can you just not be paranoid all the time and worried about you know, well this is this isn't normal, and I think being able to make that distinction between you know, something that's unusual, but isn't dangerous Mm -hmm. is really handy. Absolutely. So what do you make of that breakdown? How does that strike you? It
0: sounds right.
1: (laughs) I mean, it just sounds
0: absolutely right. Um, Yeah, because, I mean, abnormal is not indicative of dangerous, but there are some cues that clearly spell danger or potential danger and those are the ones that we need to be most aware of yeah Mm -hmm.
1: well melissa you did a phenomenal breakdown of you know how you can recognize things kind of at a distance which is the left of bang right it's (laughs) it's before i love that uh, book and that's a great term left of bang it's
0: before the shit happens
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. It, and that's where, that's where we have the greatest opportunity to take action so that we can mm. not actually end up on the X where the bang happens. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you did a great job Thank of you. walking it in from kind of the mm-hmm. outside into, you know, okay, you are within arm's reach, you know, you, it's about to happen. And here's what you need to look at. So mm. I mean that was a lot to cover, mm-hmm. but it was. I don't think <laughs> we—I don't think you left anything out. Uh, that was... <laughs> well, if I did, you filled it in, and I
0: appreciate you for that. Thank you so much, <laughs> filling in my gaps. Well,
1: I—I I would love to hear from our listeners. You know, if they've had experiences where they noticed abnormal or dangerous things, and and what they did to get themselves safe. Because honestly, I think a lot of women don't realize that we do this on a regular basis. Like as we're going about our daily lives, we do encounter situations where it's like, Ooh, this doesn't feel good. And we, we just, we do things to keep ourselves safe and don't necessarily realize Mm -hmm. what we just avoid A million
0: times a day. I think women more than, I mean, I really think women are masterful actually, because we have to be because of the levels of of violence inflicted upon women, and that's a broad term I know it could be low level, it could be high level, but there are a million and one things that I think women do every day to alert to and sidestep and keep themselves and their families out of danger and it's important to be able to name them and label them and say mm-hmm. here here are what we can call them let's label this and label that and and It's just, I mean, I go back to saying it saddens me, you know, it infuriates me. And in another episode, when we talk about rape, I talk about rape defense. I'm going to talk about powerhouse emotions and how to use them. But isn't that Mm -hmm. sad and outrageous and infuriating that women have to contort themselves day in and day out? To, in order to be safe, to stay on the planet, to walk safely and, you know, hopefully not become victim to violence, mm-hmm. even though we may experience fear. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. this has got to change. And that's why this podcast that you're doing is so important and so much why I love you and love, mm-hmm. no, really, this podcast, because, because this level of awareness and you know, women bonding together and, you know, being able to fight back in all the ways that we do physically and in protests and bonding together and here, there, everywhere and around the world. It matters. And thank you for this, Cynthia. I, I mean that from the bottom of my heart.
1: Well, I thank you for joining me on the journey. And I know that this is exactly why you do what you do and have done for such a long time. And it's why I do what I do. And you know, why Tammy is, is building this 500 rising program. It's because we want this to change.
0: Indeed. We want this to change. And, you know, men need to stop raping and violating women. That's the other thing that needs to be said. You know, we can do everything that we're doing and we need Women need to strengthen ourselves and each other and toughen up and, you know, empower ourselves and gain the confidence and the skills. And at the same time, you know, men as a culture, of course, not all men are bad, but as a culture, you know, it's time for this to change.
1: Well. I can't add anything to that. That's a great place to leave this particular conversation. And that's a wrap for today. Mm-hmm. This is the Born to Be a Badass podcast, Fierce and Female Friday show with Melissa Salt. Thank you for being here.
0: You've been listening to the Born to Be a Badass podcast, the groundbreaking show that shines the light on women, violence and safety, life after trauma and how to build personal power and courage. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode and share it with your friends, family members, and colleagues. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review that will help our show reach more women around the world. Tune in regularly for more exciting conversations full of insights and wisdom you won't hear anywhere else. And until next time, embrace your inner badass.